Welcome to another episode of Simply Sales and Marketing. Today we have another very special guest. Pretty impressed because he has been on LinkedIn for less than a year. He's had a meteoric rise uh, with his personal branding, but he has a really impressive and heartfelt story how he broke into sales and, and became an SDR. So welcome to the show, Landon Mayer. Thank you. I appreciate it. I'm super excited to to get a chance to share my story with you guys. Great stuff. I want to start because your story resonated with me on many levels. Um, As some of the listeners might know, I suffered with depression for 10 years and that was brought on by the death of my mother when I was in my teens. And six years ago, you said you woke up at 6am with a hangover. You got ready. You were managing a restaurant. You would pick up shooters on the way to your shift and now, or at the time that you would do your post, I don't know how many days it is now, London, but you're over 2,000 days uh, sober. You are now living in a beautiful home. You're financially stable. You managed to break it into SAS and became an inbound uh, SDR with no degree, which is what we love because, you know, you don't need a degree to be in sales. And then you started posting on LinkedIn and the rest is history. So, Tell us about your journey because not many people can come back from something like that and turn themselves around. So I want to deep dive into sort of what got you to where you are today. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I mean, the funny thing about like alcoholism and addiction is like, I was born into like a, a pretty normal home to start with, right? But uh, I had loving siblings. My mom and dad obviously loved me and there was nothing like terribly wrong. But since they struggled with addiction, um, and this is how it is, it's a, it's a daily battle, right? Um, you can be sober and, and, and not work in the program and still be miserable, right? So, you know, things get really important in life like money and, and uh, you know, the cars and all of these uh, materialistic things that you want to put in front of like your sobriety and, and that's when you lose it. And then you usually lose the closest thing to you, which in, in my parents' case were, you know, us, the kids. And so it just became like this crazy broken home, like, you know, coming oh. home like, you know, you know, like it just wasn't normal. Like I had to grow up a lot faster and see things that a a normal, like six year old or 12 year old shouldn't see. And so my perception on life was always built around resentments, um, because I thought I had a, I had an unfair life and like, I didn't want to do this. And when I look at it now, like I'm, I'm glad I went through the journey because it brought me to where I am today. But in the moment, um, I always just struggled with like this chameleon effect where I was like trying to blend into other people's what they wanted to perceive me as so that, you know, I could have friends and and fit in and things like that. And so when I got into restaurant management, it's because my family owns restaurants and like, it just seemed like, okay, like I'm really good at like helping people like come into a restaurant, enjoy their experience, get Mm -hmm. fed, make sure that, you know, the, the guest experience is really good and learned how to operate a restaurant high level and really get the nitty gritties of P and L's and what makes a restaurant good Uh, like inventory, food costs, retention, all these things, um, which ended up being transferable later down in sales. But uh, the other thing that comes with restaurants, which is like kind of the dark side, is like there is a drug and alcohol problem for a lot of people that are in there. And so if you're not working a program where you don't even know you're an alcoholic or have an addiction problem, 
and you have that chameleon effect, it's almost natural that you're going to float in with that crowd. And that's just mm-hmm. what it became, right? It started off little and it progressive. And, you know, I went from, you know, being a, an expediter at my family's restaurant at 18 to being a, a restaurant manager at 26 having to stop and get six six to eight shooters every morning before my 8 a.m. shift um, because I was so uncomfortable with myself and like in, in my skin that I had to put something else into my body to change the way I felt. And it just got so draining and so tiring and just burning bridges with everyone left and right. But the, the crazy thing is that I was functional. So I was still running a restaurant that was producing five million a year uh, you know, so it, it's just, it's incredible how when you're in the thick of it, like I thought that like, oh, nothing's wrong. People looking in is like, oh, Landon, like you need help, bud. And, you know, it got to the point where some people were like, Landon, you smell like alcohol, like my host and my servers. Wow. And then I started realizing like, man, I, I might have a problem here. <laughs> I yeah. can't have this. This isn't, this isn't a good look. Um, so I went and got sober in, in Santa Cruz where I live now, where my dad lives and he's sober and, and my brother lives and he's sober. And my sister's sober. And my mom's now sober. Um, and all my cousins around here are sober. So we have like this safe haven, which is Santa Cruz for us, where we get sober and, and live a happy life. Um, and yeah, so that that's kind of like what took me to the point of like wanting to get better is, is I ran out of excuses. I was sick of being tired and, and the consequences were just becoming too, too much to deal with. So I was forced. I like, I had to make a change and I was willing and I was open-minded and I, I had humility and, and, uh, yeah. So that, that's kind of like where I got to, um, and, and in November 28th of this year, I'll celebrate six years of, of continuous sobriety. Wow! Congratulations! Fantastic. Amazing. Well, well done. And that you know, a lot of the things that you, you're saying there, you, you know, restaurants is a dark side. There's addiction in sales. There's often an addiction. Walk us through that sort of you know. We hear of a lot of salespeople that that turn to either drugs or alcohol because of the pressure. But how? What? What kind of message can you give to to salespeople who are listening? Who you know, maybe sort of where you were and and struggling or indeed not just salespeople, but, you know, all of our listeners. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, at the end of the day, um, you have to be able to like identify with yourself that you have a problem. Like that's the biggest thing. Like I think the reasons why, um, uh, I forget what they're called, but, uh, the things that you go to rehabs have a, a low success rate is because a lot of the times people are going to those or people are trying to get sober. And this is my experience and you're doing it for the wrong reasons, right? You're doing it for your job so you can make more money or you're doing it for your loved one because they want to see you get better or you're doing it because your family ran an intervention on you and you have so much guilt that like it's time to change. And until you can see it for yourself that you actually have a problem and, and you struggle with addiction or alcoholism and you're willing to put in the work to make you you know your life better, you really there will never you'll never move the needle. You'll just keep going in and out. And that was my story. Um and so if you're someone that struggles with this kind of stuff, the best way to do is to is to find your, you know, the people that also have done this 
and, and talk with them and get and start having conversations because until you can relate with another alcoholic or someone that suffers from addiction, it will be really hard for you to resonate with any of this because it's just like, yeah, that sounds nice. But like, you know, he's yeah. just telling me to do this and that. But like for me, I had to hear from another alcoholic that all the things that I went through are perfectly, you know, normal to him because he went through the same stuff. And this is how he approached it. And then it took like the weight off my shoulders. Like, oh man, you've done this too. Like, I'm not such a bad person. Um, and so that's, you know, th that goes into the next like journey of like entering, you know, AA and working the 12 steps and actually doing a daily um, work on myself and, and making sure that I'm clearing up all my resentments and that I'm living in peace and, and gratitude and things like that. Yeah. And and then so from from there you you had a couple of different jobs and then you broke into SAS, right? Um and you became an inbound SDR. Can you give us just a brief insight for people listening? What is an SDR? You know, what does the role entail? And also you talked about transferable skills. I mean, it'd be really interesting to hear the things you took over from your previous uh, jobs in the restaurants. Yeah, definitely. So for, for an SDR, I guess the, the best way to describe what an SDR is a sales development representative. So it's the tip of the spear. It's the top of the funnel. It's someone going out and being creative and generating FOMO and peaking curiosity to these buyers that are in your ICP, which is your ideal client persona or profile, um, and finding out what problems and, and pains that they have and resonating with how your product can fill that gap for them. And so that's primarily what I do now. It's basically, you know, email, video prospecting, phone calls, research. Um, I'm sparking up fresh conversations with people that might not know me or know my brand. Um, and so you have to be super creative to stand out in the noise. And so my perception of SDR is obviously different than what it used to be when I first started because I was an inbound SDR, which is different. Now people know your brand. They might know the problems you solve for. They saw some cool marketing or maybe they heard from word of mouth that mm -hmm. your product will help solve these problems. They submit a demo. They either get routed to you if the company's large enough to have an inbound team. Um, if not, they would go to the AE and then you qualify, hop on a call, make sure, you know, that this would be a good fit to pull in resources from your account executive team. Um, and so that's how I, I kind of got started with uh, with inbound SDR and the transferable skills in the restaurant are, you know, for me, I have to spark up conversations with people that I've never met. You know, that's my job. And so being able to have good tone, read uh you know, not so much body language, but like how someone sounds on a phone, like read the room and being able to anticipate how I want to approach the next part of like what I'm going to say is huge. Cause you know, in a restaurant, I used to do these things called figure eights and it's just walking around the restaurant to make sure that it's running smoothly. Right. Mm -hmm. And you can easily pick someone out of the room that is obviously not happy by just their wow. body language. Maybe their steak came rare and they asked for it medium. Maybe that their <laughs> their beer on tap is flat and they're not happy. And you can see that in their face. And how you approach that um, is going to be the difference of is that person going to come back next time? Or are they making this known that this was a terrible experience? And so a lot of managers won't do the figure eights because they're uncomfortable conversations. And so... I was big on that. Retention's huge to me. People come to the restaurant for the food, but they return for the service. So I want to make sure yeah. anyone that's going to walk out is having a good experience. So you walk up to the tables and, and 
do you thank them for coming in and, and, and asking if there's anything to do that I can make this experience better for you? Or, hey, I love that steak. Like, what was your, like, what'd you think of it? You know, actually, it was kind of rare. And I asked for a medium. Oh, I, I apologize. Like, would you like me to do a quick little sear on it and get it and get it back to you? Would you want to do something else? Or maybe I can give you a $25 gift card for next time. That way that they're going to come back because they're going to spend 25 on the gift card. But you know, your average ticket's 120. So mm. you just increase revenue for the company by getting them to come back. Yeah, continual engagement. And, you know, we talk a lot about uh, alignment between sales and marketing. I guess for you, there's a really important relationship you have with the account executives. How, how does that work? Yeah, absolutely. I think at the end of the day, for me, like a good sales and marketing team, it, it, it means like there's a good experience for the buying process and, and the buyer, right? So I've seen a lot of stuff and been a lot of SDR teams where things are just missed, right? Like, people reaching out to the same account and sending multiple emails or calling the same people, like that's not a good look for the brand or for the sales team. Um, and so I think sales and marketing does best when you can blend the sales data, the marketing data, the intent data, all in one spot where you can actually see this for everyone and have the visibility. Because if you don't have that, people are going off on their own little tangents and trying to book meetings or trying to close someone or, it's just like they don't have the information when they need it and then they blame each other and then A's get mad at SDRs because they called their top account and they weren't supposed to call their top account, but the SDR didn't know because it looked like it was time to call them. Um, so I think with an AE and and sales and SDR, they really just the communication has to be tip top shape for you to have a good experience with your buyers. And I think right now it's so focused on growth um, and I think it's switching to more be around like what's the experience we're not going to grow at all costs but like what's the experience we can deliver to our market our tam that's going to let them know that we run a great sales process uh that when we reach out it's a warm reach out and there's going to be really good communication on every call and the expectations are going to be top tier on what you can expect from us and how we run this and i think that comes down to the actual like culture for the sales team are they aligned to sales are they aligned to marketing do they talk yeah. to each other behind closed doors or is it kind of like hey everyone just kind of go do what you want make a bunch of calls and send these emails we got these sequences loaded up for you and we're going to also send out a bunch of content too to your prospects so sorry if you get an opt-out <laughs> yeah yeah we're going to come on to sort of sales and marketing and how they can work better together but you know, I, what I like about America, I'm a full cycle sales rep, so I'm an SDR, I'm an AE, all rolled into one. I do like the fact that with American companies, you know, there is that difference because sales is, it's a long process, right? And sort of the more, that the way that the roles are split up, I think is, it, it gives the the prospect a much better experience, doesn't it? You're saying sort of the need to be creative um, as an SDR and then as an AE, sort of a different set of skills. But is it something, are you looking to move to an AE role in the future? No, actually, from my experience, and uh, I only speak from my experience, I actually love sales development. I think that you have so much influence on pipeline and revenue. And I love working for companies that no one knows of and that we have a disruptive story that needs to be told. And then like mapping out the process on how we're going to do it. 
and then holding reps accountable to like what they want in life, not just as an SDR, but what do they want to go to next and making sure that we're aligned on, Hey, this job doesn't define you, but like the actions you do daily will, will be the difference maker on where you are in three to five years. And I'm here to help guide you there because when I was an SDR, I didn't get that. It was always like, just do this, do that, do that. It wasn't like in sync. It wasn't like my leaders were like in the trenches with me, showing me how they did it when they were successful and how maybe I could pick up from them. Um, you know, very feedback heavy. Like I want at the SDR position to be like more sought after. Like I don't want it to be looked at as like, Hey, this is my way to get to an AE because I think what happens is a lot of people do that and they have expectations. And then when those expectations aren't met, um, they take a different philosophy on how they wanted to have their career trajectory. And it's, it's based off false expectations, which I don't think is fair to them or to the company. So yeah. I think we just need to change how the view of SDR really is. And I, I think it starts with like leading from the front. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I've, I've seen the change, you know, over the past few years. I think it did have the reputation, you know, people may have seen it as the, the stepping stone, the entry into it, you know, perhaps even lower. But definitely with, you know, the explosion of social selling and people building brands, it's become a skill set within itself and there are people that are you know doing it including you that are, that are amazing at it becomes its own little function thanks i appreciate that and you know it's not like and it's also like when you're in the thick of it you can actually know where your weaknesses are like for me like i i'm a team lead so i have my own quota i have a team quota but also like i still need to book meetings right so like i can't like tell people to do things that i wouldn't do or if i'm yeah. doing it and it's not right or it's not working, like there's no point, like it's like, hey, what's working for you? Like, yeah, I'm the team lead, but like I'm not very good at outbound on LinkedIn. Like it's not my sweet spot. Like I don't know how to approach it. Like I, I'm very terrible at it. I hate when people pitch me, but you'll find me pitching people <laughs> sometimes. And and I sit there and I'm like, dude, like I don't know how to do this very successfully. So I leverage my team who actually does it really well. And so I can teach them how to be really good on the phones because that's my sweet spot. But I have someone that is really good at emails and making it crafty and creative. And I, I take, I learn from him. And then I have another person that's really good on LinkedIn and how they approach it. And I learn from that. And if I'm out of the trenches and I'm just telling, um, I'm missing out on myself growing as a prospector and a, a pipeline generator. So um, that's what I'm super excited about being in the trenches. Yeah, it's great. And it's a great leader it is in the trenches, you know, every day with the sales team. We still see too many VPs who, who, who really don't want to get in and, and carry on doing that work. And, you know, I think that's, that, that's not an example, is it, of good leadership. But looking to the future of sales, Landon, what do you think is going to have the biggest impact on sales in the future? And how do you think sales and marketing is going to be better aligned? Yeah, I really do think there's a shift on like this, like it used to be called freemium, but now it's like PLG. But like they, I think Gartner says 70% of buyers in the enterprise say they won't even purchase a product if there's no way to get a free trial or test the product before talking to sales. So it's not like, is it PLG? Is it sales led? I think it's sales assist and the assist being the product usage that is happening in your tool and knowing exactly real time with alerts, what's happening, 
who's doing what, what are they sharing, what is our product actions that lead to close one from our past historical data, and how do we replicate that going forward uh, instead of having you know CSMs, AEs, marketing, sales, all working on their own goals and having different conversations. Let the product usage tell you when a customer is, one, in your ICP, or two, ready for a conversation. Um, and I think a lot of times that stuff is just stuck in your data warehouse and your go-to-market tools. So I think unifying that stuff into one area and having alerts and notifications that makes everyone on the same page is really going to be the shift as we go forward um, on how a good sales cycle should be run. That's super exciting. Yeah. To be able to see how your customers are using the product and how they interact with it, because then obviously, you know, you can see what they're going to want in the future and better, better be prepared to be able to sell to them. Right. Yeah. And I mean, an example, like there was a company that cold called me and, um, you know, I'm pretty easy to be cold called because I respect the game. And if if you have the right (laughs) tone and there's a need, it's somewhere in the next either now or six months, like I'll take the meeting. And so I booked the meeting and then I talked to my VP and, and they're like, oh, yeah, I use that. And I'm like, oh, what do you use it for? And I was like, that's how we figure out, you know, this, this and that. And I'm like, interesting. I w- if I was that SDR, I would have led with that. One, two, I would have reached out to you instead of me, since you already have familiarity <laughs> with the product and yeah. you have skin in the game. Why wouldn't I reach out to you? But you know, they don't have the information. It's stuck in the data warehouse on what it is actually that is in a product that makes you want to reach out. So if you're selling to an enterprise, let's say Loom, you're selling to enterprise, right? And they they have 25 people using loom and it's it's these certain personas and what if those certain personas were the ones that led to your last 10 closed ones but no one knows and then an sdr sets an outbound meeting with someone at loom the ae takes the call and it's just like so like what interests you about loom can you tell me about your pains and like your problems that like your strategic initiatives or they could have the alerts saying hey and reach out to the people before, build and quantify that use case on the metrics it's going to impact to the team. And so the first call is like, hey, actually, like it looks like you guys have 25 people on the Loom account. I spoke to Jenny in product and I spoke to Todd in engineering, and they're actually cutting down 45 hours a week by using Loom. And this is impacting the business this way. And you're allowed to have them more on product instead of doing tutorials. Where should you sign? Great stuff. Yeah, so so important. We're we're running out of of time, but Landon, I do I do want to quickly ask you. We always finish by asking our guests for one tip, one trick, anything at the moment at the top of your mind. I'm a big believer right now in uh, going deep and wide into accounts. So it's not like bottom up or top down. It's both, right? Like. I love understanding, like, if I'm selling to a sales leader, like, I want to talk to the SDR and the AEs and understand the triggers that I need to know to make this a warm account and an ICP account instead of calling that VP and being like, I talked to a lot of VPs and, you know, they tell me one of two things. They're struggling with, you know, being able to forecast and time to answer to their board and, you know, being able to understand how they can improve sales velocity. I wasn't sure if that's top of mind or talk to their team and understand exactly the metrics around what they're talking about in their one-on-one so I can be on point. 
I can understand it. They know exactly I know what they need to be focusing on. And now I just like gave myself a little bit more credibility because I've done my homework and turned it into a warm call. So I think there's a lot of um, there's a, a lot of opportunity out there. If you just take a couple extra minutes and, and go and add people that are below the line, find out what the users are doing and and what the business case could be and then go up to above the line and show you've done your homework. Brilliant. Yeah, I love that. Oh, I love it. Great stuff, Landon. Well, to our listeners, don't forget to give us your feedback, give us a rating, leave us a review. And Landon, where can, where can they find you? Yeah, absolutely. So I, I mean, you can find me on, on LinkedIn. I think it's just Landon Meyer. I don't know what my, my thing is, but I work at falcon.ai. If you want to come to a Peloton work workout with me, my tagline is Ooh. LinkedIn LinkedIn Landon. So just find me and we can, you know, go get sweaty and, and fit together. <laughs> ah, I love it. Brilliant. Oh, great stuff. Appreciate it. 